hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of Putting It Over with Pat. I'm your host, Patrick Rivera, and uh, it's been uh, really, really cool seeing everybody uh, show a lot of support to the last episode with Just Incredible. Big shout out and thanks to PJ Polacco for that one. Uh, thanks to everybody who uh, tuned in and gave it likes and shared it and everything else. Really, really appreciate you. And if you haven't already, uh, don't forget to go to YouTube and hit the subscribe button. But uh, tonight's guest is a friend of mine, someone who uh, I've seen do some pretty unspeakable things in the best and the worst of ways. Uh, he is independent professional wrestler, Anthony St. James. Ladies and gentlemen, let's give it up for Anthony St. James. Yeah. Right. Yay, round of yeah. applause. Hello, it's me. So, so what's going on, man? How you been? I've been pretty good, pretty good. Just uh, came back from Vegas, San Diego, L.A., Boston, Tampa. I'm not going to lie, to this day, I still have no idea how we met. Uh, I think we met through a gentleman by the name of Bones. Chris Christian Bones. Bones. Uh, you know, shout out to Crossface Pro, uh, a friend to the show. Uh, but yeah, I think we met through him probably at his house for like one of the many wrestling events he uh, he hosted at his place. Okay, that, that, that sounds familiar. Yeah. But I think we a lot of that, because we started talking about this. So uh, back in the day, you know, in New Jersey, in the Northeast, you know, indie wrestling was like the fucking thing. You know, it was like the thing to be at, the thing to go to. Uh, and especially like during the attitude era, you know, that was, that was really cool, but even leading up to it, it was pretty interesting. So one of the big indies out here, uh, from the area that I'm from in Hudson County, New Jersey, uh, was Jersey all pro wrestling. And, uh, I know you used to go to Jersey all pro wrestling a lot. I used to go to Jersey all pro wrestling a lot. You know, you would go to ECW. I would go to ECW. We would probably be in the same place at the same time. And we didn't even know it. How yeah. fucking romantic is that, bro? It's fate. It's fate, yo. Like, we were totally meant to meet. So, um, but yeah, um, you know, JP was pretty big, and uh, it, it, was, it was definitely something that was special. But before we get to all your jet setting, before we get to all the cool stuff that you do, uh, why don't you talk to us about your earliest memories of wrestling and when you decided to become a professional wrestler? All right. Well, uh, right off the bat, I'm going to be terrible if dates, time, and space are not my friend, so I could just... You tell tell stories, but I can't really tell you when they happen. And maybe maybe I'll, if I'm lucky, I can tell you where they happen. But the when is not gonna happen. Uh, I remember my I remember one of the first times of watching wrestling was just before my mom got married. Se- second time, I guess. Uh, not to my dad, obviously. Uh, he, so like like right before the wedding reception, I was just watching like WWE superstars. And I was like, oh, this is interesting. And then, I don't know, it just became a thing, like, just to watch. It was just, like, and when I decided, I, I always, to be honest, like, I grew up actually more more, more or less, like, idolizing people, like, uh, this is weird, but, I, you know, I, I was actually a fan of Vince McMahon, not the character, the, the actual guy, uh, Paul Heyman, uh, Jim Cornette when he ran Smokey, uh, even Eric Bischoff, and like, I always loved the whole behind-the-scenes thing. So my first my first things I tried to do was actually I tried running running promotions here in Jersey, but I picked terrible venues and terrible markets, and uh, yeah I realized when I was making more money doing nightclub stuff than wrestling stuff I chose I chose to work in a night in, in nightlife over over the wrestles. You know I got I got to be honest I mean I give you a lot of credit for uh, trying to do your own promotion because that definitely is not something that seems easy but I think like a lot of people like to you know play armchair booker for the most part and kind of like fantasize about like what they would book or what they wouldn't book and what they think like appeals to people or not you know or whatever the case is and I don't really fully think they understand like all the work that goes into running a promotion you know what I mean like I just it's there's so much stuff there's so many like moving parts that got to come together to make shit happen and like you know it it could be stressful for a promoter it could certainly be stressful for a promoter yeah especially like I I have troubles like delegating things so I was trying to do everything I was trying to you know book uh promote do the music do the videos do everything like you know ring crew you know 
I like you know the only reason I even put myself in the ring was to save was to save money. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like I'm I'm free. <laughs> so that's why I was like, oh, let me put myself in the ring. And unlike a lot of people, when I had the book, I put other I put the other person over. And you know, it was I was feuding with my I mean, he's my was my boy uh, Gregory Black, aka Necro Black, rest in peace. Um, like, you know, my goal was to try to put him over because, you know, that's just how I am. And, you know, not to, not to quote unquote put myself over, but there's a lot of guys in this business who their main focus or their sole purpose is to put themselves over. And when I see that, that's a, that tells me they don't love professional wrestling. They love themselves and they're using professional wrestling to get themselves over. If you love professional wrestling, your job is to try to make everyone into stars, not just yourself. See that's that's the common the common misconception that I think like fans have is that fans um they tend to like get caught up in too much into like wins and losses and like you know at the end of the day like yeah wins and losses do matter it's nice to be recognized for what you do but like it's more important to put on a good match it's more important to help the product it's more important to play a part in getting that show over and not just like one match or a couple of matches but the whole fucking thing and yeah, man, like that's, that's something that's, that's very, very true. I mean, like you do it because you love it. It's, it's a fucking art form. It's something amazing. And it's like, you can tell great stories. You can be creative. And it's like, I don't know. I think, uh, people get too caught up in the word fake, you know? And then I don't think they really understand like what really goes into to, to telling a fucking great story in a professional wrestling match. Yeah. I mean, when it comes to people who are not fans, it's, I treated it the same way as growing up, like the way I treated comic books and treated any video games. If you don't get it, you don't get it. I'm not going to explain it to you. So, like, recently at uh, my boy Sean's house, uh, his wife told, told her cousins that they're going to watch the fight. And we're talking about, like, a New Japan show. I forgot which New Japan show. Her cousins thought it was the UFC that was happening that day. Mm-hmm. And obviously, there's, you know, the UFC fans like ufc wrestling fans like wrestling and obviously there is some crossover but generally speaking there's really not and um so the ufc people are watching the wrestling and they're all like and my boy rich roberto he's trying to uh explain to them about what wrestling is and i told him you watch it you know what it is either you choose to be entertained by it or you choose not to be and i told him like don't waste your time like these guys are opting purposely not to be entertained by this and then after a few matches then they stopped watching the ufc and they started watching the wrestling because though ufc is you know it's its thing their goal is not entertainment their goal is you know beat some ass and wrestling is entertaining so i, I think i think at the end of the day people would rather be entertained yeah i agree I, I i think that again it's like this this misconception like when people hear the word like fake or you know scripted or choreographed or whatever you want to call it you know people uh get this thing in their head where it's like you know um it's bullshit you know what i'm saying and it, and it's not it's not i mean like nobody goes to the movies and sits there and goes well this is bullshit vin diesel fucking flying through these two buildings in the car that's bullshit you know, that's nonsense. Nobody does that. Nobody goes to see the Avengers and sits there and, like, analyzes that it's bullshit. Nobody, you know, like, like are you Peter, kidding me? Where's Peter Parker's webs going? Who cares? Yeah, yeah, you know, like, well, you know, I don't know. I think that's a little unrealistic, getting bit by a fucking spider. It's, dude, you're suspending disbelief. You know, it's, it's you're going there, you're just doing your fucking thing, and, and like, you're enjoying the entertainment. You know, it's like seeing a Broadway play. It's like, it, it's essentially a live-action stunt show. That's what pro wrestling is. But... It can be so much more at times. Um, but before, you know, we continue with that. When, when, did you, uh, when did you finally decide, like, okay, this is where I'm going to go as a pro wrestler? Um, and where did you go and train initially? Well, to, to actually do that, well, uh, like I said, when I first was trying to run my own promotion, we were actually called, we had two names. Uh, first was Revolutionary Wrestling Corporation. But then after that, I wanted mm-hmm. to become WE dash r and it was like i forgot that was like world's elite um i didn't want the word wrestling in it it's like world's elite revolution or something right right but uh so that's i saw so when i i started going to the bronx and uh bronco uh international okay who speaks no english and i speak no spanish <laughs> he tried training me and you know it was, it was you know was, you know he's He's an older gentleman who's taken thousands and thousands of bumps, so he's not that mobile. But mm-hmm. I am—I will put him over, as you know. He's also his own booker, and he makes himself the Hulk Hogan of his company. 
but that man has a, so much knowledge, and like he gave me a lot of knowledge for the fact that I didn't even speak his language, and he was tra- teaching me. But like I said, once I folded folded my promotion, I was like, I'm tired of this. I actually was. This was actually during my the lowest point of my life, where I was like peak alcoholic, peak drug addict. Uh, I was like, yeah, I'm just gonna go back to nightclubs and just make my guaranteed five hundred, seven fifty a night versus losing how many thousands uh per per show so uh so i i i you know i quit i quit the, i quit the the rassles then a few years later uh there's one gentleman shoot named thomas brewington he lives i think in buffalo he, uh he wrestled under at one of my shows as xavier fate he one day decided to just retweet or re re facebook uh a post like chikara's having a a, a free one day free training set uh thing for you know, only 14 people, but it's free, a free tryout. So I was like, yeah, I could do that. So I went, you know, Mike Quackenbush, and I believe Ophidian, and Juan, he changed his name recently, like Juan Carlos Coronado is like the Ecuadorian aristocrat. Mm-hmm. And I was like, huh, you know, I'm not, I'm not that shabby. So then, uh, you know, I went in with zero expectations. So the next time they had another one of these cl- classes, I went, I had my money cash, but then they're like, uh... The classes didn't fit my schedule, so when they finally fit my schedule, Quack Quack got my money. I started training with Under Ophidian for Chikara 101, Chikara 201. Then I did. Then I had a Quack for a Chikara 301. Mm-hmm. And whenever they have seminars, I'm there. Like I'm I'm there. Like right now, I'm getting ready to do a submission seminar in a couple of weeks. So I I, I mean, once upon a time, uh, I went with uh, Chris Callahan. Um, he was a former indie wrestler, like back in the day from JP and stuff like that. We went out to, to Quacks, like when he first opened Shikara. And I mean, this must have been like early 2000s, I want to say, or something like that. Like he was still training in, an, in, uh, in Allentown. It was just like the Allentown place, I guess. I don't know if he moved from there or anything like that. I haven't really followed up or kept yeah, yeah, up now that, since now, then. They went to, North, like, uh, they went to uh, Philadelphia, mm-hmm. like in a really nice area of Philadelphia, which is very rare. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... We, you know, we would go there, we would do these roles, he would put us through the paces and stuff like that, and he would teach us how to do, like, so much stuff, like the tigres and stuff like that, like these up and over drills, uh, tigre to, like, the outside, like, all this, like, really incredible, like, technique and stuff, Um, and it was, it was, it was interesting, I mean, it was, it was a bit overwhelming at first. After a while, you know, you got to kind of get acclimated to to doing that stuff, but to the average person who's not familiar with uh, Mike Quackenbush, let's see, how could you surmise um, Chikara Wrestling uh, a, as well as, like, you know, Mike Quackenbush and, like, what they do and what they teach over there? Right, so, so just quickly, full disclosure, uh, on a personal level, Quackenbush and I do not really get along. But professionally, okay. I will, whenever, if whenever he has a class, I'm, uh, I will be there. So let's just get that out the way. Like, he, he, my man is a living, like, encyclopedia library museum yes. very knowledgeable of rest re- yeah. re- about the sport of professional wrestling yes. everything so like you know like if i lived in philadelphia i would have joined a russell factory i was actually getting ready to buy a house out there in philadelphia to uh, join a russell factory mm-hmm. but then the bank screwed me at the last second i'm like eh, maybe that's fate telling me something but uh is there any reason why you and quack don't get along like personally it's or? probably my personality like Your personality. i'm just i'm 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 really not easy like you know not okay. really easy to get along with i'm you know, like there's if you're in my circle, I you know, ride or die, like literally I'll murder for you and Fair. protect you, whatever. But if you're not in my circle mm-hmm. or whatever, it's just I'm not I'm not easy to deal with, especially in a business environment. That's the difference. That's what it is. <laughs> in a in a in a friendship environment, you know, I got your back to literally the bitter end. But in a professional environment, I'm not here to make friends. Like even like at the promotion I work at right now, Intense Wrestling Alliance. Mm-hmm. Uh I don't know how many people are in the locker room. I think the most the person I interact with the most is probably to hear James and like I probably send right. him like like a meme like every three weeks. Mm-hmm. That's that's my that's like my friendship interaction and in, and in, in, like in wrestling in general. Like I just come, show up, do my thing, and leave. Like I could I could literally leave. I could leave any any locker room and never look back. Right. So like you know, sidestepping here is just like what might separate me from your other guests is. A lot of these, a lot of guys, and there's a million percent nothing wrong with this, obviously. Like, a lot of people want wrestling to be their goal, their dream. 
if they want to do sports entertainment and have that pay their bills, you know, that's whatever. For me, mm-hmm. it's 100% a hobby. Like, I'm already, I'm already set for life, you know? I could, I could, like, never wrestle again, and I'm perfectly fine. Like, my life will not change at all. So you just, you just like the fight. Like, yeah. that's what it is. I fucking love fighting, yeah. Especially now that I'm, like, you know, now that I'm kind of soberish. You know, like alcohol. Well, always... you, you are doing coke tonight. I can see that. Yeah, alcohol. You do have a can of coke. This um, this this uh this the podcast <laughs> is not sponsored by the by this can, so I won't I won't get more free plug. <laughs> but like, uh, you yeah, know, a lot of people a, a lot of people have beer muscles, and I've always you see me. I have the the opposite of beer muscles. Like I said, man, I've I've seen some stuff that I, I don't even want to disclose it right now on the show. Yeah, no. But I, like, I got no secrets. I got no secrets. Like I said, as long as you don't ask me when this happened, I, I'll, I'll answer whatever. I'm not trying to go to court. I don't want to answer any questions. I don't want to answer, so of, uh... I'm not trying to go there. But um, getting back to Shakara, would you say that Shakara nowadays, um, like in terms of like the style of wrestling that you saw there, the style of wrestling that you learned there, do you think that Shakara's influence is felt like in the mainstream companies like WWE or AEW? I think, uh, yeah, I think definitely it is, but definitely does not get the uh, recognition it deserves. Maybe. Mm-hmm. I mean, right now, to be honest, in case you don't know, Chik- I, I believe. Don't quote me on this, like I said, because I am not, like I said, I, I may go there, but I have no friends over there. I think Chikara might be temporarily, or the Russell, fa- I know the, the promotion has been shut down. Right. And I think, right. I mean, I don't know if we want to blame COVID, but I also think it was like Me too yeah, yeah, there there was a lot of that stuff that actually went on that was released. I don't know. I, For the record, yeah. I've never seen any of it. I've never seen mm-hmm. any of it. Like, I, I won't be ashamed. I won't be afraid to fucking admit it. Yeah, that mm-hmm. guy did this. This chick did that. But while yeah. I was there, I didn't see any of it. Maybe because, like I said, I just went in, stretched, hit the ring. When the show was over, shook hands, bounced. Yeah. Like, you know, no, you know, like, I, was, I don't know. Like, sorry, I'm just not that sociable in, in, a, in a business environment. But... Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the people that trained in Ch- in Chikara, the people that t- taught at Chikara, are you know, a lot of them are, are on national television. A lot of people that I've trained with personally, it through whether it was Chikara or or at the LA Dojo or whatever, I've seen on national television. Mm-hmm. So it's just like the the influence is there. Like you know, it's like a good hybrid of lucha libre, technical, high flying, like you know, traditional like. Like, like Quack and company tried to like install pretty much. They, they just, they, they just gave you like the ingredients for everything. And then you just got to pick and choose. It's kind of like, I guess like Subway, right? Yeah. Like that yeah. franchise that probably is sponsoring the podcast. Mm. You know, you pick and choose what's best for you. Like in my head growing up as a, as a lad, I thought, man, I'm going to be a hardcore Cactus Jack style, you know, garbage Death wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> garbage. I mean, that's what they call it yeah. in Japan. In Japan, they're called, it's called garbage wrestling. Like, and apparently mm-hmm. it's not even an insult. That's just what they call it. It's just, is that, is that how they kind of view Onita and like all those other guys? Yeah. And, like, like, like it's know. not, it's not like, it's not wow. like, it's not meant to be like disrespectful, but garbage wrestling is that they just use garbage in their matches. That's hilarious. That's yeah, hilarious. Like, if I could tell you a quick Onita story, I was at this bar in Japan. Uh, I, I don't know the name of it. And it was supposedly the day of Onita's retirement. So when I go to the bar with my boy Freddie, who's not a wrestling fan, and it turns out we're at a wrestling bar, and I had, we had no idea. We speak no Japanese. So the second I go, oh, man, I missed Onita's retirement, the entire bar started laughing. Because they know my man, my man had a million retirement. My man's been retiring since 1994. So like whenever Onita needs money, retirement show. Well, last I heard, he, uh, he bought back, uh, what was it? What was the promotion? No, he's doing he's doing his own, a bootleg version. It's called FMWE. FMWE. There you yeah. go. He's yeah. actually supposedly coming back to the states and fighting Tremont again. So let's see how that goes well, this time around. Yeah. From Shikara, how did you end up going to LA Dojo? What came first? What came second? And you completed your training under Quack, and then eventually no, no, I didn't. On? I didn't complete my training because, uh, like I said, because Chikara has their Chikara has their like uh, full time classes. Mm-hmm. Which is and then you know I was part of the part time program because you know I can only go to Philadelphia like once a week, so like you know I think to quote unquote graduate you gotta be you have to like be a full time member of the school, and and then from there they'll say here's your graduation. It's me. I just com- completed one hundred one, two hundred one, three hundred one, and I don't think he's ever had a four hundred one. And I think four hundred one was supposed to be like the the absolute max. And then after that, I was like, either you join us or you don't. But and I'm a, I hope I graduated three hundred one. To be honest, I don't remember if I did or not. I'm I'm like it's you know like I uh I got injured in a mosh pit two days before uh before our finals. Yeah, like it was weird because I was like able to like 
post people, but I was I was able to take bumps, but I wasn't able to post for the bumps. If that makes sense, like yeah. it's like a guy could hip toss me. I, was, I like I take the hip toss like a champ, but like for a guy to like for me to be the post for the hip toss that day, like, I'm like, oh my knee buckled. Yeah, you gotta hit one of them lucha tosses. You yeah, know, so like, like oh, so as I, as I was saying earlier, I thought I was gonna be a garbage wrestler, and Chikara taught me, you know, like you know, pick and choose what what feels natural, mm-hmm. and you know, with my working at these nightclubs and with my uh, martial arts training, I like to do a lot of. Uh, you know, I just was kind of like bad mouth, bad mouthing it earlier. I do a lot of like MMA style. Like I want like half shoot, like mostly shoot uh, as my style, with a little little razzmatazz of lucha on the side. But uh, the problem is, yeah, this might get me in trouble, but I don't give a shit because you know, like I said, er, like I said earlier, like I'm podcasting, like I got nothing to lose because I really don't. Like a lot of a lot of guys that I I work with now. They've all been trained in one in one school, and there's nothing wrong with that. But the problem is, it's like when I try to t- like like hey, in this match, I want to do this, and I'll sh- do something I learned when I was training in England. They look like me, like I'm talking a different language, or so, you know, or something I learned in at the dojo, or you know, like you know, I've been a, I've been a, I've I do like to I like to learn a lot. I like to train a lot. You know, both BJJ Muay Thai. I went to London to um train under uh, at Greg Burridge I can't pronounce his name you know it's English Greg Burridge is a London London School of Lucha you know the LA Dojo and it's just like I try to try to like show guys like hey there's more than one way to do things and people look at me like I'm funny like and then all these guys you know end up doing like a thousand Canadian destroyers in a match all these flips (laughs) and then when they get the one two three they'll just get a yeah yeah I had a match recently with this guy, Yeo, the mechanic. I think the high spot of the match was maybe a suplex. Right. And when the finish happened, the crowd, it was like, the, it was either the loudest pop of the night or the second loudest pop of the night. And our, like, big spot was a suplex. So it's just like, I don't know. I don't know what I'm, I don't know where do I'm you, getting at. You, no, 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 not at all. I think you're onto something there. Um, do, do you think that modern day indies are kind of lacking psychology and more so focus on the high spots and less on telling a story because you know i I, i've been as being somebody who was in the business i can tell you like i saw dudes take one two bumps max in a match and have the crowd hot just with getting heat just with being smart just with telling a really really good story so do you think that that's what's lacking nowadays yeah the problem is is i'm not gonna i don't want to put the blame on too many guys person because i've like i've been there and it's just like in any profession that's yeah. that involves crowd interaction wrestling comedy uh djing mm-hmm. uh music music yeah like you wanna you wanna you know like if you if you feel like you're losing the crowd you kind of get desperate and you know like, like, you know, like if I'm DJing and I want to like, you know, I'm taking I'm, if when I DJ, you know, I play certain music and people are enjoying it. But the second I feel like I'm losing them, then I'm like, oh, time to go top 40. And that's what I feel like a high spot is. It's just like people like people get worried. People get worried about losing the crowd, even though they're in the middle of telling a story. So there's like, oh, I'm afraid even though I'm telling this arm story now or I'm telling a knee, a knee story. But uh, the crowd is getting quiet. I'm getting nervous. Let me hit like a fucking 450 off the top rope for no reason. And then dude kicks out. You know? Yeah, dude kicks out. So it's just like, <laughs> like I understand the nerve, the nervousness of, of hearing a quiet audience because you don't really know what you can't. You, you know, we're not psychic, but uh, well, most of us aren't psychic. And it's just like, just tell your story. Just tell your. That's my only advice. Like I try to, I try to tell people, but no one listens to me. So, but it's just like just tell my my advice is tell your story, don't don't panic and fucking oh we need to hit a, three Canadian destroyers and I need to like put my 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 uh my life at at risk here for a show that people think is fake right. like if people like I'm gonna fucking break my break my leg over something that people think is fake, you know no tell your tell your story tell the story that's what you gotta do. Going back to the basics would definitely help it, but. Use those high spots. Do those high yeah, spots. I'm not saying, saying like, saying, yeah, but like, make them matter. Make them matter. That's what I mean. That's you know? that's my yeah. thing. Because uh, yeah. I'm I'm not, I'm not saying don't do a Canadian destroyer. Right, right. Don't do a 450. <laughs> but when you do do it, make it worth something. Because like you know, I think a lot of these people do know the basics. But they're like I said, once that pressure kicks and you're like, uh oh, yeah, the, the crowd is quiet. Let me do something to make some noise. Then you're gonna do something that should be a finish or some or false or something that you know. 
But by the time by the time you get to your finish, it no longer means nothing because I just saw this dude kick out of like you know ten <laughs> ten pal drivers and whatever, and like yeah, that yeah. meant nothing. Like, what is he gonna have to get stabbed to lose the fucking match now? Like, is that what's gonna happen? Like, they're gonna do stabbing gimmick? Like, what the fuck? You know? But that's that's sometimes they get to that point. Um, and yeah, man, storytelling is important. Uh, you can you can do everything. A match can have everything, but as long as you tell a good story and it makes sense at the end, you're like, holy shit! All right, cool. You know what I'm saying? That's what's up. You know? But um, as sorry, I know you asked about the LA Dojo. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I was actually just gonna say one quick thing like, sure. before we get to that. Um, the East Coast Indies, though, for the most part, are really where it's at in terms of like the best kind of workers. I think this area has always kind of been the haven of it. Uh, the Northeast specifically, because anybody who was anybody came through here. Anybody who was anybody worked here because a lot of the best workers are in the Northeast Indies. So you go to any local indie around here, you know, you're going to see on average guys that are much better workers than others. You know, there's obviously guys that don't want to do the lucha stuff or anything like that. They don't want to do the clinics, but on average, they can do everything the right way for the most part out here. You know what I mean? Whereas everywhere else, it's about the high spots and it's like everything else and it just, eh. But... L.A. Dojo. Tell me about that, and tell me about Shibata. Um, uh, when I, I I don't know how I haven't I haven't really spoken to him in about two years, but when we met, obviously his English wasn't that wasn't the best, and he enjoyed torturing me to torture me to near death. <laughs> I tore both my quads. Every time I took a bump, like he just like serious, but then he he would just he'll be serious the entire show, the entire training segment. You know, we're training. You know. From 9 in the morning to about noon, it's just calisthenics and working out, like squats, push-ups, medicine balls. Like, that's all the exercises just built to, like, you know, break, break us down. Then in the, and then we eat. Afternoon, it's just training. It'll be simple. Strong lock-up, strong headlock, strong shoulder tackle. Everything's just strong. Running the rope, strong. You know, just boom. But the second, like, I'll take a, like, I'll take a bump, he just, hmm, hmm, hmm. That's his evil Shibata laugh. Just, hmm, 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 hmm. Like uh, this, I'm trying to think. Um, I think it was Billy Brash or Tyler Bateman, who like they just knocked me down with a simple, simple cross, you know, simple shoulder block. But I don't know, maybe I bumped funny or whatever. He just thought it was hilarious. <laughs> and then when um, and then when we had like shoot, like shoot training drills, like I did not understand the rules of the shoot training drill the first time I did it. Like we we're like our backs were together, and we had to like, like on when the whistle blew, like kind of like quote unquote fight in the middle and try to take the other guys back. I just thought it was just get into position. Like, when the whistle blew, get into this position. So I was getting it fast. And uh, he was in NXT for a hot second. I think his name was Tyler Rust. Like, I mean, okay. it, yeah, he would have murdered me. He would have murdered me either way. But, like, not knowing the drill, he murdered me faster than, uh, faster than he did. And another gentleman, like, it was, it was like kind of a, a similar drill where I finally understood the rules. But he didn't understand the rules. Like, so the goal was to take the back. And I was, you know, shooting with uh, his name is Kurt Stallion. He thought it was trying to pin me. Like, like, he thought the goal was to try to pin the other guy. And in the middle of, uh, in the middle of like, shooting, I'm trying to explain to him the rules. As he's trying to pin me, I'm like, you, like, you got to take my back. And the uh, trainers thought that I was calling spots in a shoot. So everyone's laughing. Shibata didn't find it funny. So I had to do who knows how many more squats after that. Jeez. Yeah, I, I know they go really big on the squats um, with, with uh, New Japan and just Japanese training in general. I mean, how many squats on average did you do there? I lost count after 350. That's and, a lot. Uh, yeah, on the first day, on the first day, like, you know, we're all doing squats. And he's just walking around checking on everyone. He just stops at me. And I'm just there like, uh-oh. Uh-oh, I'm in trouble now. And I'm just, just keep up, just keep up. The second I slowed down, he's like, come on. Like, he was just standing there waiting for me to slow down. Like, he knew, like, eventually, he's like, this guy, this guy's eventually not going to keep up. And the yeah. second I slowed down, he was just right there waiting. To me, I've, I've always kind of thought, because, like, I've heard about their training methods from people who've either done clinics and stuff like that. I feel like they want you to just be so fucking tired but yet still do everything like really well. It's like fighting spirit. It's like how much spirit do you have inside of you to still keep going when you're at your absolute most tired? Yeah, because that's actually a, a big part of Japanese psychology that a lot yeah. of America, us Westerners... Yeah, a lot of people like indie guys try to mimic this to Japanese psychology without understanding it. Japanese psychology is, is getting up after being hit so hard. You know, that's why they do that, that forearm exchange. The forearm exchange is designed to be like, I could take your best shot. Can you take my best shot? 
But when, 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 we, when I see it on the indies here, that's not why they're doing it. They're just, oh, I'm hitting you my forum. Now you're hitting me. It's not, it's, they're not understanding the why. They're just, they just watch, see it on TV and like, oh, on TV, they just hit each other with forums. They just take turns. In America, we don't take turns hitting each other. In America, I'm going to hit you as many times as I can, and you're going to hit me as many times as you can. You know, that's our psychology here, here in the West. Absolutely. And here's the thing that I think is a lost art, okay? Like, don't get me wrong. I love the forearm exchange. I think that's, like, one of the coolest fucking parts of, like, Japanese wrestling, of strong style. But I feel like punching, man, has been so fucking forgotten in wrestling. Like, I feel like people don't use their punches for shit anymore. Like, nobody uses their punches to lead into anything. Everybody would much rather hit, like, a stiffer shot. You know, and even those guys who kind of work that style, like, you know, you'll see them throw punches. You know what I'm saying? But a lot of stuff is just kind of forgotten and it goes by the wayside and they focus again so much on like the bigger stuff. But anyways, we're not here to sound. I feel like we sound like those guys from the Muppets, like, you know, the the, the two old guys that are in the fucking uh, balcony over there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We sound like them. You are a busy man this entire time. His phone has been going off. This guy has been winning stuff on cryptocurrency. He's been doing all, all, all different types of things here. I don't even know what's going on. Oh, I should check my crypto. But, he's, but he's, he's making tons of money while this episode is going on. Because that's, that's the type of person we're dealing with here in Anthony St. James. Yeah, I mean, like I said, like, I could, if, if, like, if Intense Wrestling Alliance never wants to book me again, my life does not change in any way, shape, or form. Even though, like, the, my next match for this company is against a MAGA nut. I, I thought, you know... A MAGA nut, huh? He's, yeah. He's one of, those, uh, one of those Trumpers? One of those leftover Trumper dumpers? He's something else. Like, I just, went, I just went over his Twitter before I even signed on here. And, like, I'm not a... For, let, I know this is not a political show. I am not a Democrat in any way, shape, or form. I'm not a Democrat either. I'm not a like, conservative I, I, either. It's just... But, but some people are... Pretty lost and out there, I think, I, yeah, on both I, sides of I the like aisle, to, agree. I mean, right now, I consider myself put up politically homeless because I grew up, <laughs> I, I grew up like, you know, maybe because of my dad or whatever. I grew up what we call, I like to call a New Jersey Republican. You know, we had uh, Christine Todd Whitman. We had Brett Schundler, uh, Chris Christie. Like, these people, you know, they're not, you know, whatever. They're, they're conservative, but they're not insane. You know, what's happening now, these people are freaking insane. Like the the Republican Party that I grew up with no longer exists. The the Republican Party that my dad belonged to no longer exists. Now it's just right now it's just right now I guess since Biden's president, it's Biden derangement sy- syndrome. And I'm like you know I'm not a Biden guy. You know like I, I did vote for him because you know the uh, the alternative was way worse. But if there was a somewhat a somewhat sane alternative, mm-hmm. I would have probably chosen the alternative. But, you know, I think it started with Obama, like Obama derangement syndrome. Same thing. I was not the Obama guy, you know. But, you know, like if this with these people are, they just lost their minds. And so now they have me booked against this guy. He's freak. He's cuckoo bananas. And, you know, he's he, they're putting him. He's actually being put on Fox News because this might get me in trouble. He's he's a black guy who's saying exactly what the conservatives want to hear. So they go, hey, look, we're not racist. This guy's saying it, you know. And it's just like, that's, you know, like, I don't know, man. My, my grandfather, who's also, who, my, who's also black, did not fight in World War II, did not fight in Korea, did not have to argue with his wife, even though he lost that argument, to try to get into Vietnam, to have our, our country hijacked by these loons, you know? Well, it certainly sounds like it's a very intense rivalry between the two of you. Uh, and it sounds like it's uh, it's pretty darn personal. I mean, and let me tell you something. If this promotion, uh, I don't know much about them. I can't say much about them. But I think anybody that doesn't use you is really losing out, especially because of your background, everywhere you've trained, what you've been able to do. I mean, you've gotten in there with some of the best grapplers. Actually, you've been in there with a the superstar, a gentleman by the name of Matt Riddle. Tell me about that. Oh, yeah, he's... He's pretty, I mean, for me, he was pretty cool. Um, he, uh, like, you know, to be honest, I don't think he, you know, just to pull the curtain back even further, in case you guys don't know Anthony St. James, it's not my real name. I don't really tell people my real name because of the business, like, my, my lifestyle when I was n- not wrestling. So, like, I have a hard time telling people my name and giving my information, but Matt, he was cool. He, uh, 
he wanted to practice a new uh, a, a way to counter the the cross arm breaker. So we 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 rolled around. So just so he could practice, I guess like this idea he had in his head, and I guess I was the guinea pig for it. And then afterwards, like he could for the record, he could attack me on the like blink of an eye. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because yeah. this day he before the sh- before I think it was an evolve show, uh, in Maryland, he tapped out like fifteen indie guys as his workout. Like he's like, if anyone wants to roll around, we'll roll until you tap. And boom, each one guy in tap, one guy in tap, one guy in tap, one guy in tap. Wow. He was top tapping him out. And then like with me, he you know the, the night before we kind of hung out a little bit in Queens, not too much, or is it the next day? I don't remember. Anyway, but he, he kind of took a shine to me. So he's just like, you, I just want to practice this way out of the cross arm breaker. And, that, and that's what we did. That was, I was our rolling around was like, you know, me putting him in the arm breaker and him fake tapping. He didn't mm-hmm. really tap. But like to everyone, everyone looking, it looked like that's what happened, but it wasn't. So like out of, out of all these other types of grapplers that you've been in the ring with, uh, obviously there must have been a, a difference, you know, in terms of his technique, uh, his strength, his ability, you know, even with like somebody like Shibata, let's say, you know, you, you would notice that difference in the ring, wouldn't you? Oh, yeah. It's, it's, it's the little things that, uh, I mean, it's hard to say because like, you know, like when I watch, when I watch uh, uh, the wrestling on TV, I, I see the little things and I react to them. My casual friends, they're like, oh, what's he reacting to? Which just... You know, he just put his ankles together. And it's like, no, you put someone's... Like, the way it's done, it really hurts. So, uh, yeah, who else? Uh, Drew Gulak uh, rolled, rolled with him. He was pretty cool. Very good technician. Uh, tra- like, I'm going to just start name-dropping. Uh, Tracy Williams. And I'm forgetting the rest right now. So tell me about um, your WWE tryout. What was that like? Uh... Yeah, I, I want to say performance center trial, but uh, it was we had we had a we had a representative from the company uh, give us give us a speech before before. Actually, we actually had a like you know we just rolled around earlier before he got there, and that was like that was Chris Dickerson and Tracy Williams leading the drills. And then we had a we had a representative from WWE come and explain to us pretty much basically if you want to keep being a pro wrestler. Do not sign with us. If you want to stop wrestling but make real money, you sign with with the company. And the way the way he was explaining the, the way the company operates, I have a terrible poker face. So like he saw right through me, and he's going, you know, if you wanna if you don't want to sign with us, that's perfectly fine. If you want to be a weekend warrior, perfectly fine. If you don't even want to work with us at all, and he looked at me dead in my face, and everyone's <laughs> looking at me like, like I'm the asshole. But he goes, yeah. if you don't want to work for us, that's perfectly fine. And you know, I respect this man. That's why I'm not name dropping him. I respect this man. Never, never, never. Sure, sure, never sure, sure. Him, but totally understandable. He was, he was awesome. As a company represents representative, he's awesome. But I prefer to do uh, professional wrestling over sports entertainment. Okay. All right. That's, uh, we that's had a, fair. I uh, had a three-minute tryout match. My opponent, who I don't know his name, a young kid, he threw up before our match, and I put him over. He's like, I was like, yeah, this, you know, we'll do this, and it's just hit me with your finish. So uh, aside from the aforementioned gentleman that, uh, whose identity you don't want to reveal, who else was there that might be of note that was um, helping kind of run that tryout? Oh, who's, helping run, who's helping run the tryout? Like I said, it was... Uh, like Tracy Williams, Chris Dickerson were representing Evolve. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it's called Malcolm Bivin. Well, I mean, like in terms of like WWE people, like uh, in terms of like you know corporate or just people that you know office people that were. There. I'm the only office people there. I'm guessing it's just Gabe and and this gentleman. Okay. That, okay. I mean, if there was other people, I missed them. So was this before Sapolsky uh, went and, and signed with WWE? Is this like when I he was still think, kind of I mean, I think he, I, my theory is that he always he always received a check from them. Mm-hmm. But I think this this is probably before like Evolve closed. It was definitely before Evolve closed down, but not by much. It was kind of similar to the the relationship Paul Heyman had with uh, WWE back in like the late '90s, early 2000s. Yeah, if I want if I want to put a timestamp on it, I'll say this is before they sent Baba Day down there. Nice. What a name, man. I mean, I don't know what they're calling him now. I, th- I think it's like Commander Aziz or Azif or I don't know. But I mean, I, I, mean, I, don't, know, I don't know who Baba Tunde is. I just remember hearing that name. Like, oh, Baba Tunde is coming down. I'm like, it, that's a name. Right? It, <laughs> I mean, a that's name. a hell of a gimmick name. Um, so what, 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 what is it that they look for that differs from uh, 
professional wrestling, did they offer any kind of insight into what that is or um, was it's, it just it, kind of run your match and, you know, do some calisthenics? I feel, like, I, feel like, I feel like the matches and the calisthenics was just, just for show. It's casting. They're looking for specifics like uh, we need a six foot two Puerto Rican or we need a, 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 a you know, like a under 21 year old like Chinese girl or we need it's casting. You know, we need we need a we need a blonde, a blonde man who's who looks like he just came out of Venice Beach. Mm-hmm. So like they just want they want it's casting and coachability. Like they want they want to find people that they could mold in the image that they want for their specific television show. So like the the wrestling is like poly like like number one is look look is the most important thing number two is coachability and I felt like there was something else and then number four was actual wrestling skill. Would you think star power would be like that missing thing or like perhaps some sort that's of pro- uh, that's probably intangible? That's, that's, yeah, that's probably the casting because you know right right because you know you could, uh, if you have an athlete who has the heart you could teach them how to wrestle. But you know you can't you can't teach a great wrestler to be a star like it's unteachable. Absolutely, absolutely, I'd agree with that. So um, after all of this, um, you obviously started working the indies. You uh, you know you you were working a few different territories. Um, have you held any championships anywhere, or you know is it is it too political? I mean, what what? It's um, yeah, it's a minute. I mean, I don't. I, I mean, my character cares about titles. I really don't give a shit. Uh, to be honest, what I did was I went from Chikara, training in Chikara. I met this, this my boy Ian, who, who I think he does video games. But uh, I met Ian, and he introduced me to Kaiju Big Battle, which is that's how I actually got the, which makes no sense. That's how I got my foot in the WWE door was through Kaiju Big Battle. So I figure I'll do Kaiju Big Battle for a few years under a mask. So like, so if I ever fuck up in the ring, no one knows I'm in a mask or I'm in a costume. No one cares. I'll be honest, that makes a lot of sense uh, why they would be interested in, like, Kaiju Big Battle because um, they have a guy right now, I think he's the 24-7 champion, this guy, Reginald, and the guy used to be in Cirque du Soleil. Yeah. So, like, he's just doing, like, all these crazy acrobatics everywhere. So, like, yeah, I think, and and it kind of ties in with the whole entertainment element, you know, because, like... I haven't seen it, but I got to check him out. Yeah, no, he's 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 a really good acrobat. He's a good athlete. Um, I mean, I haven't seen too much of him in the ring to really say but yeah like they're going like these different entertainment routes it seems you know what i mean so tell me about kaiju big battle actually while uh while you actually brought it up there i actually i love kaiju big battle um it's very simple which like you know i guess sometimes i'm on the writing team but i think i'm no longer on the writing team because i lost i lost my passwords to get into the the book like we have like a group thing and I, I lost my passwords. I lost everything. But, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, we, there's no, since, I'm guessing since we're all in costumes, there's zero politics. There are fucking costumes. So it's not like, I, I want to go over. It's like, you're, I'm going to be a different character tomorrow. No, it doesn't, right, it doesn't matter. Right. So, you know, we, like, you know, we come up with wacky ideas and the fans, the fans probably have no idea what to drop toll hold. I mean, Kaiju Big Battles taught me a lot more about psychology than anything. Cause like, you know. Like at a kaiju show, like I'll just do, I'll hit hit a guy with a drop toe hole through one of our one, through our one of our buildings. It'll get a louder reaction than a hitting a double moon salt. So there, there's a pretty big following for this stuff, huh? It yeah. travels all over the place and stuff yeah, like we, that. You've toured, right? Yeah. Like my very first show was in Toronto, and I did exactly what the what what my parents told me not to do. You know, like I said, Ian, I met him at a parking lot picking up T-shirts for my friend's comedy wrestling show. Extremely seriously, extremely serious wrestling, which I'm a huge fan of. Cheap plug. Ian adds me to the on Facebook, adds me to the like the kaiju work page, and they just ask like, "Oh, we need a body for for uh, Toronto." I was just like, "I'll go." And they're like, "All right, meet us at this van in, in, in like the sketchy section of Queens." So the sketchy section of Queens, I just jumped into a van with a bunch of strangers, went to Toronto, had a blast, and I was like, you know what? Wherever you guys go, you let me know and I'm there. Nice. That's pretty awesome. So how long have you been working for Kaiju Big Battle now? Uh, time and space, man. Time and space, I can't. Time and space? Makes sense. Goes along with the like, I, 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 like I remember that. places, but like places I, could, I have a better time reminding it. But like, mm-hmm. like, when did I first go to Chikara? It could have been two years ago. It could have been six years ago. I have no idea, man. Who's your dream match? If you could pick one, one person that you would work, who, who would be your dream match? Minoru Suzuki. Minor, wow, Minoru Suzuki. Man, you are not fucking around. 
yeah, <laughs> that's nice. uh, that's a pretty intense character to, yeah, uh, yeah, to we pick actually, as your we, dream we hung out on a Halloween in Tokyo a few years ago. The man is a weird combination of like charisma where you're like, yeah, man, I want to hang out with this guy. But then when he's hanging around, you're like, man, I'm shitting bricks at the same time. Yeah, he he uh, he was a bad motherfucker. I mean, you know, you watch all his old stuff, all his old videos from, uh, I think it was Pancrase, right? Yeah. Pancrase, this shit was fucking crazy. I mean, wait, he fought Boss Rutten and like all these other guys, didn't he? Didn't yeah. he fight Boss yeah. Rutten yeah. back then? Boss Rutten doing commentary on his own matches is the yeah. best. He's like a Dutch Henry Rollins, but like he's a bad motherfucker and he'll like kick your face off. Like I would not, I would not want to like pick a fight with him. He's like Dutch Henry Rollins without the tattoos. So... Obviously, this is a very interesting time for professional wrestling, you know, uh, in this year of our Lord 2021. Uh, And 2020 was pretty interesting, I think, for everybody in the world. Um, Obviously, now, you know, there's a lot of variety out there. You have NWA, you have Impact, you have AEW, you have New Japan Pro Wrestling, you have uh, All Elite Wrestling. You know, you have a variety of different companies, and I'm sure I'm missing a few and stuff like that, but those are the ones that I can think of off the top of my head that, you know, can be broadcast fairly regularly here in the United States. Um, Where do you see professional wrestling going based on, obviously, the events of the last few weeks? Uh, Well, right now, uh, professional wrestling could be healthy based on content because a lot of corporations are just desperately looking for content. So that's why uh, MLW just got a, like a, a TV show on Vice. You know, Vice. I, I I always thought Vice was like a like a hippie liberal nerd channel, but uh, apparently now you know they're in the wrestling business. You know, uh, NWA. I'm surprised they haven't gotten TV yet. Dark Side of the Ring. I think really kind of put it out there for them because that show's been a fucking success. Yes. So so as as long as uh, these companies are desperately looking for content, uh, wrestling. We'll have a place to be now. How profitable it is, it depends on how good the shows are. Cause like you know, still on the independent level, a lot of these a lot of these shows still aren't profitable. Um, you know, like I said, thank goodness I'm. I don't want to say independently wealthy because I'm not. I still have like a nine to five. I mean, you know, the nine to five is doesn't really pay the bills. My independent wealth pays the bills, but uh, you know. Wrestling is not going to pay my bills. It's never going to pay my bills. And it's not going to pay the bills for 99.9% of the people in the business. It's it's going to be a haven for people to express themselves. So it's like I, like I can't speak for anything past like MLW or NWA or Impact. But I'm, I highly doubt anything underneath that. Guys, guys are, are still struggling for food, still struggling for money or whatever. Um, I've lost my train of thought patrick i think i did too um and i'm actually the only one here who's having some adult beverages right now oh that's right um, asj is now straight edge for now yes but you never, know never say never but you're uh, doing coke you're cola. drinking a can of coke but yeah absolutely um so yeah i mean i uh, think saturday uh new japan in the west coast you just reminded me yes yes yeah i actually like i i kind of sidebarred that one though but like Obviously, a lot of big stuff happened, like with CM Punk coming back, with SummerSlam, which I heard you were at. You Some, know? Something like that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, seeing seeing going to going to the you know visiting LA and the LA Coliseum, the Torch, seeing New Japan out there, and seeing a bunch of guys that I trained with at that show, it's just like, huh, this is kind of maybe I need to like straighten my life out a bit. So that's why I'm slowing slowing down on the alcohol. A little bit. Then when I went to SummerSlam, like I said, I saw Matt Riddle win the uh, tag team titles. And um, uh, what's his Punishment Martinez? What's his WWE? Um, Damian Priest. Da- watching Damian Priest. Yeah. Uh, win Puerto Rican. Puerto Rican. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's in, he's like a New York ghetto bit. Hey, yeah, man. Hey, uh, you know, he's, he's, winning, like, he's a Yankee he, fan. He, he won the U.S. <laughs> title, and that was a good night for the Monster Factory. And the Monster Factory is another place where I also did like like you know like I said sporadic training at mm-hmm. and. Danny Danny Cage of the Monster Factory cannot put him over enough, you know, both uh, as a human being and as a trainer, you know, like 
so who, who was it they used to train out of before? I think it was Larry Sharp or no? Probably. Yeah. yeah but, and then uh, Sheamus trained out of there. Big Show. I mean, like, there's a few people like Punishment Martinez. You know, there's a lot of guys. Yeah, Matt, that, Matt Riddle's from there. Matt Riddle. Yeah. There's a lot of guys that went through there, and that there's certainly one of the premier wrestling schools on the yeah, East Coast uh, uh, for for small time or maybe just for a session. Uh, what's his name? QT Marshall. Mm-hmm. QT Marshall. I only spent an hour with this guy. And that hour training with QT Marshall, I've learned so much. Like he, so it's like whatever they're doing in the Nightmare Factory down there in Georgia, I have like all the faith in the world because QT Marshall, like I said, just one hour with him, like just showed me like holy crap, like just expanded my horizons like by leaps and bounds. Like like working with Quack, like I learned how to do so many like submission moves and like you know ring stuff. Uh, but then, and then going to, you know, New Japan, I've, you know, just helped shape my body, even though I've been out of shape for about a two years, but I'm actually getting back in shape. Last two years, I was out of shape for personal reasons. Uh, then, you know, at the, uh, in, in London, you know, they, they showed us like the British style, but like I said, one hour of QT Marshall, just ex- psychology wise, just boom, just like mind blown. So like that nightmare factory that they have down there in, I believe it's in Georgia, that's mm-hmm. I, I, they're gonna they're gonna produce so many great talent out there. So uh, as far as you go, um, do you have any upcoming dates scheduled at all? Are you or where where can also, the listeners of putting it over with Pat see Anthony St James wrestle? Uh, before before I mention my match, that's uh, mm-hmm. on uh, September eighteenth in Nutley, New Jersey, one fifty Chestnut Street. I also got to put over uh, brutal Bob Evans, really nice guy, Ring of Honor talent, right? Yeah, he he also like like does seminars and. Like he just also just while teaching he learns on the fly. Like we 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 did like a quick collarable tie up and like he learned how to counter my hip toss into something else in mid in mid class and he's like it's like he's just really really like positive fellow, great mm-hmm. fellow, like another guy like I can't put over enough. Yeah, I think it's like once once you get into that zone and, you know, you're in the ring, you got that ring time, you start creating, you start doing all this stuff. It's like you you really get into it and, you know, you start to like almost reinvent the wheel like as you're doing it. But, yeah, uh, Brutal Bob Evans, like definitely a fantastic worker. Does he still I think he still works Ring of Honor, right? If I'm not I, mistaken. I think he, I think uh, 2020 might have put a, a kibosh on that, but I'm pretty sure the doors will reopen once the world reopens. So I am wrestling September 18th, 150 Chestnut Street, against this gentleman named Billy Prempeth. Prempeth. I can't pronounce his name. Like I said, he's a crazy MAGA guy. And, you know, he, like, seeing his Twitter timeline, I'm in, I'm in Los Angeles. I'm in Hollywood. Hollywood, for the record, is almost as scummy as New York in the 80s, Times Square. <laughs> so don't, don't have these visions of, oh, wow, Times Square. Oh, wow, Hollywood. So nice. No. The Chinese theater, that man's Chinese theater is called, is the only clean part of Los Angeles, of Hollywood. The rest is just trash. Anyway, so I, you know, I get the, I get the, I get the memo that I'm booked against this guy, and I see, man, this guy's, this guy's nuts. So I literally decide to go to the Mexican border and shoot a video, from, you know, because my my father came to this country when he was eight years old from Gutenberg, and even though obviously he. He looks a lot different than the people who are both legally and illegally crossing the border. My father was about six foot two, blonde, just fucking almost like like a skinny Dolph Lundgren. And those those immigrants get no flack, but because there are certain people that look like like uh, people from um, I don't want to say my mother's side of the family because uh, they're also like tall people, but people who look you know like, like Mexicans. You know, anyone who fails a paper bag test, you know, all of a sudden now immigration's an issue. So you know, I had to go to I had to go to the southern border and be like, "Hey, there ain't nothing wrong with immigration." Do you feel that this is a part of like some kind of mind game? Maybe he's trying to play with you, like in some kind of way to get you like off your game emotionally, no, in, in no. some type of way. No, he's he's using he's using the wrestling to get to get votes. Like, oh this, wow! So, so he has political aspirations. He's running for Congress, like as a shoot. He's literally running for Congress as a crazy MAGA guy. And that's that's my issue. Like at the last show, they just told me interrupt this politician, do this segment with him, put him over. I was like, yeah, I could do that. I had no idea how crazy he was. I just you know I just assumed 
like I said, us New Jersey Republicans are not crazy. You know, we're, we used to be just like, you like, you know, Chris Christie was tough, but in theory, fair. You know, Christine Todd Whitman, tough, but fair. You know, our, you know, our New Jersey Democrats are a little bit, you know, like, oh, like, oh, I'm, oh, I'm Chris Murphy, I'm a nerd. But, you know, what's going on now, that's not the Republican way anymore. So this guy thinks he's a Republican. He thinks he's a conservative, but that's not conservatism. And I am taking personal umbrage to that. So, you know. I have no shame in saying Black Lives Matter because they do. And that should not even be an and, if, or, but, you know. That's it. My grandfather's life mattered. You know, a quarter of my life matters, you know. You know, they want to say all lives matter. It doesn't until literally all lives matter. And right now, all lives don't matter until we make sure black lives matter and then we make sure everyone else's lives matter. You know, this is America. How do you envision this fight going with him? Uh, he's poorly trained, so I have no idea. Do you just want to strictly get in there and just get the bit? Have you thought of, like, maybe shooting on him? I mean, because obviously this seems like this is really touching a nerve with you. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, rule number one is always protect, always protect your opponent. But if it becomes a me or you situation, it's going to be you. You know, I have to protect myself, number one, because you ain't paying my bills. And, and the name of the company is Intense Wrestling? The Intense Wrestling Alliance. It sounds like you're, uh, you're certainly putting the intent in Intense Wrestling Alliance. So before we go, uh, I'd like to ask you just a couple more questions. How do you, wanna, how do you want the fans or how do you or I don't know. Let, let's, let's, just, let's just put it towards you because it seems pretty obvious you don't care about the fans. But how do you want to look back on your wrestling career when it's all said and done? I mean, Scott Hall said it best, man. Two things that matter, money and the miles. All I care about is make, you know, at least, you know, being, being reimbursed what I feel like I'm owed. You know, it's not necessity, but I'm like, hey, this, this is what I'm worth. Always know your worth. That's what, I, that's what I always teach my lady friends. Know your worth. Got that from Mika Brzezinski. <laughs> Daughter of the, you know. Anyway, uh, and, you know, I just want to, you know, it's the memories. It's the memories that matter to me. You know, like, oh, the time, you know. The time we went to Pittsburgh and turned turned this club into a into a limbo competition. We literally had everybody in this one club limboing, you know, like <laughs> crazy things like that. Like yeah. everyone's doing the limbo, and then when my boy did the back bump, like oh I can't limbo, he did the back bump, and we stomped the shit out of him. You know that that's those are fun memories, and that's that's what's important to me. That's what I'm saying. Like to be honest, like I said, the wrestling, I could never wrestle another match in my in my life, and nothing's gonna change because. I'm still going to have those memories. I'm still going to have a blast living my life. I love it, but I don't need it. I mean, I, I think it's the passion, though, somehow, that still keeps you going. And I think you really, you, you really like the fight. And I think you need that. But, I mean, that, that's just my observation. I could be wrong. You know what I mean? I certainly feel that um, you're quite the character. You're, you're kind of like the, uh, the Chuck Norris facts kind of guy. Um, I mean... I had heard a rumor that you got struck by lightning once and you survived. I don't know. I'm not going to really get into that, though. It, the lightning literally struck my rooftop, and, like, if there was no roof, I would have died. Wow. Like, for real. Like, literally, like, the second lightning struck, and, like, I had to, I had to get a brand new roof. I, uh, I, I don't know what else to say after that information, but do you have anything that you would like to plug? Uh, I mean, right now, I'm, you know, I am going to reboot my podcast. Uh, it's world championship cinema. I just gotta like you know. I just gotta fix up my st my studio is not gonna look like this at all. It's just gonna be like a one cheap ass microphone. But um, world championship cinema where we we talk about movies and that have something to do with professional wrestling, whether it's, it's about wrestling or stars a wrestler. So okay. it could be you know you know I did one did one episode about Nacho Libre. You know I hate that movie. You know then we did one the wrestler. But, you know, like, even if it stars, like, Roddy Piper, like, they live. Like, I want to do an episode about they live, you know. Ladies and gentlemen, Anthony St. James, you know where you can see him. You heard where you can hear him and see him and all that other stuff. Uh, looking forward to uh, seeing you, you know, on the podcast. Oh, yeah, you want to plug your social media, man. Yeah, let me do my social media. Yeah, I, let me look come this on. Up. I think I'm a ASJ Russells on, on a Twitter. Okay. It's yeah. important to get the Twitter. Yeah, I'm learning. I'm learning. And the Instagram. The Instagram is Anthony S T James. Anthony S T James. And I'm pretty sure Facebook's the same. All right, all right. I don't have a TikTok. I'm not giving the Chinese government my information. If anyone's stealing my ID, it's the American government. That's uh, that's certainly interesting. Well, Anthony St. James, thank you very much for being on the show. I appreciate it. 
And uh, hopefully we look forward to having you back on somewhere down the line. And uh, you can watch me drink some beers while you finish your soda and stuff like that. Um, I also would like to end this show um, by dedicating this show today to uh, the memory of my friend Anki Vijay Shah. Anki, may you rest in peace. Uh, we're going to miss you, pal. And um, yeah, uh, tune in next time to listen to Putting It Over with Pat. Um, I'll be announcing my guest sometime soon. But y'all take care and uh, keep on keeping on. Support indie wrestling, support professional wrestling, and I'll be talking to you soon.